cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one car It is a Wednesday night of the 9th of September Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And Will, who doesn't want to play finals? Because it seems like everyone at the moment As we are recording this I know, I think the I think the Bulldogs want to play and finals The Bulldogs want to play finals Like, I, I feel... I feel like the Bulldogs still could be the team that most wants to make finals that doesn't get to make the finals. <laughs> I feel like if we don't make the finals, you will sit around going, we're pretty good against the top team still. I mean, even though we had that loss to the Cats, there was enough in that game, particularly that first quarter, where you were just like, well, when we play at our best, you know, even these top teams find it hard to compete with the style of football that we mm. play. And then to, we showed a different side of our game against West Coast, it was genuinely, I was like, because I, I didn't watch the first mm. quarter um, and West Coast obviously dominated the first quarter. And so I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to sit down and watch this. This is going to be terrible. Oh, football, <laughs> football's over. <laughs> what's Ben Cunnington up to? Like, what's my real passions in football? Let's get back to those. And then... Obviously, you know, that game was... I went to bed and ended up watching, like, the entire, like, last three quarters on my phone in bed mm. that night. And, uh, yeah, it was great. The Bulldogs were really fantastic. They fought so fucking hard. That Bonson Pally yeah. goal, you know, like, from, yeah, outside the 50. Like, there was a couple of massive Tim English marks. And, like, you know, the funniest thing is I would pause. Like, Tim English would take an absolute screamer. Like, these just these brilliant marks. that Sort of things that just make you go, ah, oh, man, I can't wait for the next 10 years. You're going to be an awesome player. But then I found myself pausing on Tim English trying to work out what sort of haircut he should have because now that I'm really locked into the idea that Tim English is going to be around for 10 years, like I am now determined that we've got to get him into his right look by next season. And I almost felt like getting one of those, like, you know, mate, like you could do with like, you know, uh, girls dolls, mm. you know, when you were growing up where you could kind of change the different hairstyles and yeah. these sort of things. I wanted to put a different, like some sort of haircut yeah. app, over him say. just to see what best suits him. I mean, I, I would suggest the AFL should just do a haircut app. I mean, there are so many amazing haircuts. Who wouldn't want to take their own photo and then like swap in like Isaac Rankin's hair? Who I just switched on the footy as, as we are recording this. Uh, the Q clash is happening, the pineapple grapple. The uh, I came up with one, but it doesn't quite work. Something to do with it's a Barney, right? It's having a Barney. So it's a Barney banana because it's Queensland, you know, the banana benders. It doesn't quite work. The Barney banana, the banana Barney. The banana bender. The banana bunny. The banana bunny. Do you bunny think that works? works? I just wasn't sure if. It... Yeah, because it's a reversal of Barney banana. Yeah. That works. That's a classic yeah. reversal. <laughs> Hashtag banana Barney. Yeah. So here's what I would say though. Has the? I mean, we all understand that the Q Clash is the like most feared and respected and idolised game in AFL, and we've yeah, always, always said that. We've always been big proponents of the Q yeah. Clash. We are the original Q yeah. or not. So firstly, two things. Could we rebrand? Could we get QAnon on board for the Q Clash? Yes. Like like we have, you know, an Indigenous round and like we have sort of, you know, a 
a retro round, these sort of things. Could we have a conspiracy theory round around the Q Clash? Yeah, and I reckon they should also have a live performance before each game. And I think the first person is obvious. We just get Q-tip. And before the game, right. we ask him to pick the winner. We say, what's your tip, Q-tip? <laughs> Q-tip gives the, gives the tips. Sportsman <laughs> on the night of the Q-clash gets in Q-tip to give his Q-tips for the Q-clash. And then they get like a, instead of like a welcome to country, it's like Pete Evans giving some of his controversial <laughs> opinions about, you know, yeah. how governments control the world. Yeah, that watered down beer actually contains fluoride and they use a fluoride to control your brain. They only serve bone broth yeah. at QAnon Clash games. <laughs> the QAnon Clash. So firstly, I love the QAnon Clash. Yeah. I'm 100% on board for that. But secondly, has there been something diminished about the Q Clash by the fact that most of the games of AFL we've been watching this season are technically Q Clashes? Um, no, because I would assume that the real, you know, the, the, it, there's a storied history of the Q Clash uh, because as we know, uh, Brisbane and the Gold Coast have been mortal enemies <laughs> for decades. Since the Fitzroy days. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird back then when people get bringing it up. They said one day. Well, I would be interested to know, is there a bit of snobbery? If you're a, if you're a, a Barney Banana, um, <laughs> that's not some slanderous term, but is there some snobbery from Brisbane to the Gold Coast in the same way like Melbourne to Geelong, you know, Sydney to Newcastle or Sydney to Wollongong? There's always like that big brother, little brother thing. But I don't, I, I feel like in popular culture or people I know from Queensland never really talk about the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast is like, Australia's, you know, uh, embarrassing town. But I don't know that Brisbane take any extra ownership on that. It's, that is interesting to me because you're absolutely right. Like the Gold Coast, particularly, you know, the, the strip, you know, the sort of the like the touristy strip. Can you get know. good kebabs the there, Will. Well, <laughs> people come for the kebabs <laughs> and, and stay, stay for the, the lap dances. <laughs> I mean, this story broke the day after we did the podcast last week. Such a shame. And so we did not talk about it. And look, it's been talked to death yeah. by now. But you've got to say that the best bit of that entire story is not the fact that these two AFL footballers decided that in the midst of a global shutdown with the state that they normally pay football in, people can't leave their fucking houses. Like, you know, the, Daniel Andrews, the groundhog, came out in his North Face jacket and said, I'm sorry, Melvin, there is three more weeks of lockdown. You can't go to the fucking grand final. You can't go to the Melbourne Cup and the Boxing Day test match. That's probably not going to happen either. And a couple of Richmond blokes, like Richmond, inner city Melbourne, of all places that should understand what a lockdown is, decided, you know what we should do? We should break out of this little bubble that we're in. We should go down to the most prominent, like not like dodgy nightlife street in all of Australia. Like literally go to the place where you don't have to find trouble. Trouble finds you. Let's go, let's go to that place. I imagine at some stage the words what could possibly go wrong were uttered between the two guys as they went down there for, I imagine, some socially distanced lap dancers and then a late-night kebab. And the fact that they ate a, got a kebab, got in a fight, dropped their kebabs and then went back for another kebab is, to me, 
one day we need to hear, you know what half the punishment should have been? It shouldn't have been you have to pay an $80,000 fine. The punishment should be on Friday night on Fox footy before the game for half an hour, you've got to walk us through every moment of this <laughs> night. And for every fact you leave out, we charge you like, you know, $5,000. So you've literally like, we'll put the hundred thousand on the board, but for every massive fact that you let us in, we'll take 5,000 off. Yeah. And if you can get to the end of the story and there's nothing left, then you don't have to pay a fine. But Fox footy have to provide all the same analysis for the story as they do to a regular game. So you cut to Kingy and Nick Revolt and Nick Del Santo in, in the wall room, in front of the wall, in the lab, in the lab. <laughs> And they're breaking down. Kingy's like, yeah, well, the thing about getting garlic sauce is you don't want to get too much. And if you get too much garlic sauce, well, then you're going to wake up the next morning and your breath's going to stink. So what they've done here, as you can see, and then they'll go to like a 3D, they'll take a Zavlaki and they'll 3D render it and spin it around. So you can see like the perfect layout of how you should get your kebab put together. And Nick Revolt would be like, yeah, that's absolutely right, Kingy. And what you want to do is actually get the onion spaced out away from the tomatoes because the onion tends to seep into the tomato and give it a bit more bite. So what they've done, that was the first mistake. In fact, they were, it was What, you, what you'll see is a, a, an image, a 3D image of Nick Revolt standing in a souvlaki. <laughs> like he is like walking there around the and he's just walking around and circling various ingredients as he goes. Um, uh, back to the, the Bulldogs game for just a second. Uh, there's a couple of things that stood out for me. And uh, one is Aaron Norton's, when he took that grab over Oscar Allen, which I think was in the first quarter. So maybe you, you, did you, you saw the whole game now, but he took that grab. I have now. And then trash talked yes. him just before he went off to take his kick. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that that was Aaron Norton's bag. I, I still mm. thought he was kind of like your young, up-and-coming, shy country footballer. I didn't realise he had that strut. He is, uh, like we like to call him down at the Bulldogs, Norton by nature, <laughs> not because we hate you. <laughs> so that's very much his, in his makeup. He's, he's got that big forward cockiness, that, you know, uh, Dustin, Ma uh, uh, that Jack Revolt kind of cockiness. He's got a, certainly got some sort of attitude. I don't think it's... He seems to reserve it for moments where he's embarrassed somebody. Like, so if he's genuinely done something, like when he was playing against Talia in the Adelaide game, mm. there was just one where Talia was just into him, like, you know, hitting him in the back, roughing him everywhere. And then, like, he just took this incredible mark and he did a similar sort of thing, kind of just strutted back and turned back over his shoulder to let him know what had just fucking happened. Just in case you did not see what just happened, he is just what happened. <laughs> And the other thing that uh, stood out to me is we have probably ignored one of the most uh, underrated good haircuts in the AFL for a Bulldogs player. And when I say it, it'll make sense to you. Mitch Wallace, that hair is I agree. of its own, uh, 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 it's on its own level. There is no one who has hair like Mitch Wallace. You know how we were talking about what Tim English could do and we suggested he should go for this 1970s basketballer white boy fro? I reckon he should t speak to Mitch Wallace because that's what Mitch Wallace is kind of... Mitch Wallace looks like a 70s porn star at the moment. He's, if he had, was rocking like a gold medallion underneath his jersey, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, the thing is, like, so Mitch Wallace used to have long hair. Yeah. And then, because he's got curls, mm. right? Like he's got, you know... Curls get the girls, the humid mate. I mean, the humidity on the Gold Coast, working with those beautiful curls of his at the moment. But also the fact that he's... So he cut it quite short a couple of years ago. It was almost like the, you know, 
the grown-up version. Mm. Don't call me Mitch. Call me Mitchell. Yeah. I've got a sensible haircut now. And that was the period of time where he broke his leg. when he missed out on the grand final and then like he was so good during that and then he had that injury trouble. And then there was a bit of a, is Mitch Wallace going to be in our midfield? We have this gun midfield now. How's he going to have a spot in this team? He's a midfielder. There was even talk at one stage of him you know, leaving the club, trying to find better opportunities. And it's one of my favorite stories because I really love Mitch. I, I love him as a player, but I like him as a person as well. And the fact that he's had such an incredibly dominant season, he's been great for us. He's exactly what we needed. But it has been commensurate, in my opinion, with him growing his hair. Yes. And I think that much the bigger his hair gets, the more his powers grow. Yeah. That's how I feel about Mitch Wallace. And I feel if we win the premiership this year, you're going to see Mitch Wallace receive the Norm Smith medal, looking like Krusty, look, looking like Krusty the Clown, <laughs> fuck sideshow Bob. That's what that's what that's what his hair is going to look like. If you were hitchhiking through like the Northern Rivers, you're heading to Nimbin, and you're just hitchhiking, and a mm. combi van pulled up. And the doors opened and behind the wheel was Ben Brown and sitting next to him was Mitch Wallace. You'd be like, oh yeah, no. this makes sense. Right. Brothers or father-son, would you think? <laughs> father-son? No, brothers. They, best mates. Like they're the Bill and Ted of Nimbin. <laughs> they definitely look like they should be in some sort of small business together. Yeah. Like they're a couple. So if Ben Brown and Mitch Wallace moved to the Northern Rivers and like opened a cafe or like a... Yeah, an old furniture repair business. Brown and Wallace. Right. And they would just surf in the morning. Yep. And then they would like, you know, make their artisanal furniture in the afternoon and deliver it in this van. This van that pulled over yeah. on the road on the way to Mullumbimby. They said, you can jump in the back with our artisanal furniture that we rebuilt. Yeah. I mean, Ben Brown strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't wear shoes in summer. Like he'll drive barefoot. He'll walk into the shops barefoot. He doesn't need to wear shoes, man. And I think he's kind of... Maybe sometimes he will tie, not like a, a like a sweat band around his head, but like he'll tie a bandana around his head to sort of separate mm. his forehead from the top of the fro, just like when he's, I don't know, painting or out doing yard work or something. Yeah, when he's got to put on his mask because he's doing some uh, sp enamel spraying yeah. of his restored furniture. <laughs> he just puts a bandana back, holds back his beautiful, beautiful curls. Like maybe the problem is... Like wearing shoes, wearing boots themselves is actually what... I know he has some um, issues off, off the field, but like on the field, mm. in the world of this podcast, could we lobby for Ben Brown to play next season barefoot? barefoot? I mean, if our instincts are right. He is from Tasmania, yeah. so that's a very Imagine if place. you pitched it to him. <laughs> if you just say, look, we're willing to draft you to the club, but we've been studying your form really closely and we think the problem is that you're wearing boots would you be willing to play for us at full forward next season but you've got to play barefoot is that we've had to look to be honest we're cutting down anyway we've had to lay off the boot starter one day so if you could play barefoot this would be great well after that collingwood incident i mean maybe you could get it past the afl because i imagine there would be uniform requirements like that you couldn't because a bunch of um footballers on the tiwi islands and stuff i know they play barefoot it gets so hot up there and so just say the world's next, you know, uh, the, the, the best footballer in the world, the next number one draft pick, but is Chris Judd times a million from the Tiwi Islands comes down. But he says to you, I don't want to play in boots. Can you lobby the AFL to make an exception that I play barefoot? Because you even trial him in boots and he's tripping and all that kind of stuff. But you get him barefoot and he's amazing. He's the world's best footballer. 
He keeps getting injured if you put shoes That's on. That's right. Yeah, he's never used to wearing them. It, it throws out his entire biomechanics. Yes. And so you have to lobby the and he's willing to sign a waiver. Yeah. I don't care if people try to step on, on my feet. Yeah. I am so nimble that I will just dance magically out of the way. Would they let a player play barefoot? Why not? Well, there's a wrestler in the WWF will <laughs> who is uh done the same thing. He goes to the ring and he goes to the ring barefoot. A bit like Jimmy Snooker. I think he's the only guy on the roster at the moment. And there is an argument that it gives him an unfair advantage in the in the sport that has predetermined results. Well, I think that I can't see how wearing less... Like, you're allowed to not wear a mouth guard. Right. Right? And that's a safety issue, wearing a mouth guard, but you're allowed to go on the field. You're allowed to choose as an adult to go on the field and not wear a mouth guard. So why wouldn't you be able to choose to not wear a pair of boots? Like, they don't... You aren't automatically... If your boot flies off during a game... Mm you're not automatically disqualified from being in the play. If the ball went to you and you didn't have your boot on, you would still be, it would still be a legal kick if you kicked it to somebody, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think they would give you right. some grace, but there would also be some kind of uniform rule, right? That you each player t- takes to the ground wearing the same thing with minor exceptions like headbands and, you know, black tape around the bicep if someone's died and... That kind of jazz. Yeah, but so if somebody can wear a headband or if somebody can wear something that is like something that not everybody else in the team wears, mm. like a helmet. Caleb Daniel wears a helmet, right? Yeah. Why can't somebody else play without boots on? I think you're right. I think we should lobby the AFL. <laughs> that should be top of the agenda for 2021. I'm sure they've got nothing else to worry about. Is there a possibility we could lobby that they all have to play barefoot? Is that more fair? Because maybe the danger is the idea that if some people are wearing stops, but what if everybody had to play barefoot? Why? Um, under what circumstances? Is it just a barefoot round or are you saying like the entire season? Let's experiment with some barefoot play in preseason. <laughs> yeah. In- <laughs> the next XFL or whatever they call it. Extreme rules. What, did they, what was the guy? I can't even remember what it was called. What was the preseason comp? It was great though. We all loved it and it's sad. <laughs> that AFLX. It's That's it. <laughs> Well, why don't we do AFL triple X? So they're not just barefoot, but they're naked. <laughs> That's what I want to love right. you for. Nine aside and completely. <laughs> and they're fucking. Sorry. You're, fu- you're all fucking. You're not playing. You're fucking. Hey, do you reckon Dwayne Russell is prone to hyperbole? What is specific? Is there something specifically that has led just, you to no, this No, it's conclusion? just more of a, a vibe thing. Every time I've been watching the footy, if someone has a shot for goal, Dwayne will always say something like, oh, he has not just kicked it. That's a work of art. Or he'll say, like, he's nursed it through the goals to perfection. And it's like, yeah, man, you put, like, he puts a little bit of mayo on absolutely everything. He's not going to win the game. He's going to be a hero for a lifetime. I think that there is no, uh, he didn't just kick that goal. He saved three children from a burning (laughs) house. Dwayne, really? The crowd loves him. I love him. In fact, he can have my wife for the night. (laughs) Dwayne, just take it easy, mate. It's not She's not mate. yours to offer. <laughs> You're in a partnership, mate. She's not your property. <laughs> I mean, I can't actually think of another commentator who does it quite as much as, as him. Like BT, so BT has his thing, right? Which is it's sort of almost like a vaudevillian kind of uh, uh, act where he loves to kind mm. of, you know, bring in these sort of like euphemisms that he's invented, little in-jokes and stuff. There's a sly sense of humour with him with the way he commentates. Your mate, Mark Howard, is like my MVP for the year. He's doing such a standout job, but he's your old school, straight up and down caller. He 
he seems like, and I imagine it's probably partly true, he seems genuinely happy to be there, just genuinely happy to be there, genuinely happy to be calling football, but he's not throwing out nicknames or jokes here and there. He's your straight man. It's So Howie's always been like that. The reason that he, I think, has been so successful, I mean, he's one of the most successful sports broadcasters. His podcast is, like, super successful. Like, he's, you know, commentating on the cricket, the football, and I think a lot of it is because there are so many other people, like you said, either, you know, ex-players, people trying to do this vaudeville act, that suddenly just being happy and enthusiastic about the game, there's a real role for that person. And I agree with you. I think I think he has done such an incredible job calling the footy this year. I think he's a brilliant addition to it. And I think that he's just, he's going to continue to be a superstar. Dwayne, yeah. for me, Dwayne, more than any other commentator, has an awareness of how the media works, in my opinion. And so I think that what Dwayne does is he realises when things get replayed, most likely the thing that gets replayed is the spectacular goal or the spectacular right. mark. And so I think Dwayne, he leans into replayable moments. Yes, that's what So it it's not like his entire commentary yeah. is hyperbole. Like, you know, when he's calling the regular game, he just calls it with enthusiasm, but not necessarily that same hyperbole. But when there's a moment there's a where moment. he's like... Hang on, they're going to replay this tonight. I'm going to add it in a little sugar because that's what you right. I want people to be thinking about Dwayne, baby Dwayne. Yeah, he's he's creating a headline. He wants he's yeah. basically creating a headline on the fly. Like he'll say something like, "That's just that's not just a win. That's a rocket to the stars." You know, like he really <laughs> loves just pouring some kind of hyperbole on it. And it's, I mean, I think it's, I think it's. I think I like it. I, I sort of, I, I sort of oscillate between like and getting irritated because it's when you're watching that shit game between like North Melbourne and Gold Coast or something like that, and you know it's seventeen aside by you know the third quarter, and then he would try and pour a bit of that on it. It's like, mate, no one's buying. <laughs> it's no one. You can't sell that. He is certainly the guy you'd want giving you mouse to mouse if you drowned at the beach when everybody else had been like, let's call it. Let's walk away. He'd still be going. No, no. There's life in this. I still, I still think I can come back to life. What was his AFL? Did he? Who did he play for? Dwayne Russell. I'm just looking it up. Geelong, Port Adelaide in this handful, and Geelong in the AFL. And he is aligned to both clubs. Uh, he was a serviceable but not brilliant footballer. Okay, so he played from 1981 to 1986 in the Sandful. Played 133 games, and then yes, correct. He crossed to Geelong in the late 80s, from 87 to 91, where he played 50 games. So almost 200 games all up of uh, a level football. Do you know what his middle name is? I know that. Is it true that his first name isn't actually Dwayne? No. Well, it says his name's. This is Wikipedia. It says it's Dwayne. Because I've heard several times, and maybe this is just one of those ridiculous rumours that flies around football, that his real name is Wayne, <laughs> and he changed it to Dwayne. Because of The Rock? Yeah, because of The Rock. <laughs> because he also considered himself to be the most electrifying. electrifying. <laughs> uh, okay, so he was born in Adelaide. Russell made his senior football debut as a 16-year-old in 1981. For Port Adelaide Football Club. Does that happen anymore with teenagers like Tim Watson and stuff? Or is that illegal? You can't... 
you don't see no. I think I think you can, wasn't that Isaac Isaac Rankin? I think Isaac Rankin was playing in the sample. No, uh, but was, what about AFL? Oh, there's a age limit, and they keep trying to raise it. But I like the idea of like a young gun kid still coming through. But no, you don't see a 15 year old or 16 year old play anymore. Yeah, who was the youngest? Can you while I'm looking this up? Can you just Google who was the youngest AFL player ever? Like how old were they? I bet you it was like it's 1926, and it's a 12-year-old, 12-year-old called George Nobby Rogers. And he played 56 games before he died of polio. Um, okay, so um, actually a St Kilda player. Oh. Yeah. So his name what, was what? Claude. Oh, go on. Claude Cloth. What? How do you spell Claude that? Claude Cloth. C-L-O-U-G-H. Clo? Claude Claude Clo. Clow. Clow, like slough. Um, so he, um, hang on, let's go. Oh, here we go. Youngest seven players ever to make their VFL debuts. So Claude K- Clow from St Kilda. He was 15 years old, 209 days. Um, he was born in 1884. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> What so what year did he make his debut? <laughs> um he played twenty three games for the Saints yeah. and uh I that's right, he, he played in the same team as Rob Harvey. <laughs> he would eventually here we go. Um twenty three games. Uh oh his first match was notable for the fact that it was St Kilda's first ever win in the VFL. So he played in right. the So Maybe he was win. in the middle he was in the middle of the circle. As they- <laughs> Getting the uh what it would be that back then, it'd be like a cough syrup with heroin. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they used to drink in the Victorian times, wasn't it? That's right. Everyone, great game. Have your cough syrup with heroin in it. And uh, let's get around in the circle and give a little cough syrup with heroin in a Bukaki to uh, <laughs> young Claude. This is his first win. Um, so how old was he, like, when, he when he made his debut? Uh, so... It doesn't. So he was 15, 15 when he oh, 15. started playing. But um, here's what I will um, uh, say: um, Chloe would eventually retire from the game. At what age? Made his debut at uh, fifteen. Played twenty odd games. So that would be a year or two. I'm going to say eighteen. Retired at sixteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> Just had enough, mate. Just a grind. Too many preseasons. You know what? I've got other things in my life. Like black wine now. <laughs> I'm going to go clean a chimney. <laughs> um, he unfortunately died in 1922, 1922, age just 37 years old. Is that um, is that is that pretty normal for that era? 37 sounds like a good innings in 19, whatever it was, 22. Uh, Collingwood, uh, the second youngest, 15 years and 287 days. Uh, was a fellow by the name of Keith Bromage, and um, he was first spotted by officials as a 13-year-old at Victoria Park, kicking a paper football around after Magpies matches. Well, that's a that scouting <laughs> certainly has changed <laughs> for the better. I'd under, argue for the better under the Collingwood policy of. You'll do. Child labour. <laughs> He's a 12-year-old. Kick two goals. Kick two goals in his first match, mm. um, which is pretty good. Holy shit. Can Kick- you imagine? What, what year was this? 
well, 1955, I think. So can you just imagine how, how rough? I mean, I remember VFL Park being rough in the 90s. Can you imagine how rough it would have been playing on Victoria Park as a 15-year-old in 1953? We'd like the fucking Thunderdome. Albert Collier, 1925, Collingwood. 15 years and 297 days. So Collingwood had a youth policy back in the day, yeah. is what I'm they saying. They called it the Epstein policy. We only want kids. <laughs> um, all right. Um, uh, Tim Watson in fourth place. Yeah. Now he was 16, uh, right? 15 years, 305 days. Oh, my God. Uh, the youngest person to debut this side of the Korean War, Tim Watson, was picked from Dimboola. Uh, retiring when was in the Korean War. That's not a that's not a helpful point of reference to me. Was that Mash nineteen seventies? When was the Korean War? Uh, he played three hundred and seven games, three hundred thirty five goals, four best and fairest, three premierships. Yeah, um, I used to work at his video store. He used to come in with a chubby little fellow called Job, and I was like, "Isn't that a shame that his dad was a superstar footballer?" And he'll he obviously will never make it that kid. Um. So, yeah, you don't really have that anymore. I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind even the idea that there's a supplementary list, you know, like you have your rookie list and these sort of things where you can have like one 17-year-old, one 16-year-old, one 15-year-old, one 14-year-old that each club can <laughs> sort of... <laughs> well, I mean, you, like, I, you, I'm like, come on, like... Unless that kid has proved himself by kicking a paper football around the boundary line. <laughs> Why are you wasting your time going as low as 14? Well, because I want to break a record. We've had 15-year-olds. Right. Like, there's no point introducing this if we can't, like, go a step further. So, it's like, true. you identify some young gun 14-year-old. They do that. Yeah. And you're allowed to yep. put him on your list. And if he's good enough to get a game, he can play. So, you get some Matt Rowell type 14-year-old. Someone who looks 40 at 14. Yeah. And so is there some kind of, um, uh, what do they call it? Like the, 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 what's the draft camp called? Is it the draft camp, right? Where they do all the speed yeah. tests and stuff. But it's for 14-year-olds. Yeah. But you've got to put them through the rigors of an actual AFL match. <laughs> so you just belt them from pillar to post. Well, you start with paper footballs. First day, you yeah. just ease them in. Easy. You just go, guys, it's paper match day day. Make some paper footballs. And then, you know what? Just freestyle. Just kick them you know, around a little. Well, you know what? They're all up in Queensland. I, I reckon this is a great idea. And I reckon we start it from the end of this season. Because everyone's already up in Queensland. All the clubs are up there. Right. And I just saw in the news the other day, they're selling the It's a Knockout set. Like, it's still up and running in Queensland somewhere. Well, not up and running, but it's there. Turn the It's a Knockout set into a training ground or a testing ground for 14-year-old draft prospects. Right. So they've got to like run over kind of like foam ramps and get knocked by pylons and there's lakes to swing over and stuff while listed footballers to the prospective clubs are kicking footballs at them. Well, you know what it is? I think it's like um, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Where we're not really telling the kids that they're training to be AFL footballers. We're just getting the best athletic kids and we're taking them to this It's a Knockout style fun park. But all the challenges are set up to identify prospective AFL talent. Yeah. And I think we should also make it more TV friendly because they're turning everything into a TV event now, like draft night and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we also include a kind of personality aspect to it. We want to see the personality profile, the, you know, they do the interview where they sit down with the parents and the family and all that kind of stuff. So we get to know the players and we get to sort of see 
you know, who's played, you know, and we get, and maybe there's an audience vote at the end. We get to sort of vote who we think, oh, I don't know. He's a good footballer, but I just reckon his family are a bit unstable and maybe a bit too much trouble if we draft him. I mean, that'd be great, wouldn't it, to just go to say, like, say it is Matty Rao. So perfect, yeah. you know, idea. 14-year-old Matthew Rao. And so there's this kitchen scene, mum's in the kitchen making chorizo pasta. Yeah. You know, for the entire family. Yeah. There's a dad and a son sitting having a conversation at the table, but they pan in and you realise the big one's actually Matt Rao. <laughs> and the yeah. dad's just tidy compared to him. Dad's in his shadow. It's like that scene in Lord of the Rings where Gandalf sits down with one of the hobbits. It's like, wow, is this some kind of forced perspective? Oh no, he's actually that big. Yeah, I love that. Get it, get involved early. So this has been our idea about this season having everyone in the same place. The idea that, you know, they should have just been filming the entire thing. That Amazon should have just gone, we're not going to make four documentaries, we're going to make 40. Mm. Like, because the whole, you know, real housewags, you know, that's <laughs> been a, a great story. But, I mean, imagine the sort of Howard and Kumar style late-night comedy you could have made with Sidney Stack and his mate. Yeah. on their night out in the Gold Coast. <laughs> like that to me is just, forget them having to explain that story. Imagine if there'd been a documentary crew with them for that entire night. Dude, where's my kebab? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It is one of those uh, uh, movies that all happen in the space of a night, like Harold right. and Kumar type thing. It's like the mission... To get a lap dance and a kebab. That's all they wanted. They've been That's talking about it for That's all these two dudes have wanted to do. Is it too much to ask in one night we can just get a lap dance and a kebab? <laughs> Hijinks a shoot. <laughs> uh, should we just take a, a, a quick check of the score in the uh, banana sure. barney? Yeah, let's... Um, this is just for our Let's own. see what's going on. Uh, oh, well, no, the Lions are well in control. It's... Uh, Two minutes into the third quarter, they're 54 points uh, to the Gold Coast, 27. Lions got off to a flyer. Did you see a very animated Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan this week when uh, asked about Harris Andrews being out? And he got very, like, I haven't seen that side of Chris Fagan. He got very defensive where it's like, we're not the we're not the Harris Andrews Lions, we're the Brisbane Lions, we're a team. Did you feel like he was overcompensating a little? Yes. Did you 100%. feel like what he was actually really saying was... Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. Harris Andrews is our most important player and he's gone down. I'm the one who's meant to get a six-week hamstring. I'm the <laughs> one who's meant to twist my knee coming down the steps at one of the games. He wasn't helping himself the way he kept tugging his collar away from his neck and going, ah, oh, sheesh. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the same week that uh, Chris Fagan makes that statement about whether not the Harris Andrews lines, they then the next day come out and announce they've signed him up to like a massive million dollar multi-year deal yeah because like, he's a fucking super footballer yeah. like the idea that i mean it's of course they're not the um harris andrews lions but the problem is that in the finals they're probably going to have to play against the tom hawkins cats and the you know fucking charlie jjk Dixon west coast eagles and the charlie dixon port adelaide power like that's the problem that all these teams that are in contention like you know, to you know, win the premiership, all have these big gun power forwards, and now you know Brisbane are without their best player. Uh, speaking of uh, um, teams that we've liked watching, the Dockers, you've turned me on to the Dockers. You said a few weeks ago that you're actually quite like coach of the year. Coach of the year. <laughs> I watched them in that win, and it was like, well, I mean, first of all, fucking hell, just Melbourne, just 
It must be so hard. It must be so hard to be Melbourne. And I'm a Saints supporter. Like, for me to be saying that, you know how bad things are. But they're a good side. And I feel like we have... Um, we have not. We have not been. I have not been fair to them in saying that there's only two good players. But having said that, their two good players are pretty fucking good. Like Michael Walters, Sonny, such a gun. Like I think that classic cliche: if he played for any other team, you know, he'd be considered like a superstar. If he played for a Collingwood, for instance, he would be one of the the most famous footballers in the country. Yeah, he's. I think I like Fremantle. Like yeah, I, me I too. think I, I just board. think. There's a, they've they've had a, a pretty good season, I think, Fremantle. And I think compared to what they were expected to have at the start of the season to what they are now, there's they've been Adelaide in you know the way Adelaide are in the, the last couple of weeks where suddenly mm. you can go, Oh, actually yeah. maybe it's not all bad. Maybe there is some hope in Adelaide. As the Adelaide advertiser ran in the paper this week, which I love. They've won uh, more games than Essendon in September uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for a very long time. So a little bit of that crow cockiness back. I like that. But I feel like Fremantle have been that all season. Like they've been showing lots of good signs. I don't, not prepared to like two teams from WA just yet, but I might, I might have to. That was a very impressive win and I'm looking forward to seeing them play next year. Jesse Hogan, the talk is that maybe... They'll trade him. They can't really afford to keep paying him what they're paying him. Would the dogs, do you reckon, be interested in getting Jesse Hogan or is it once bitten, twice shy with Josh Bruce? I mean, I don't think you want Josh Shackey, Josh Bruce, like Hogan, like a whole bunch of guys who... I think you'd have to get rid of a Shackey or a Bruce, move them on. Yeah. Well, I... Shackey, like, where's Shackey's contract? I mean, Shackey must be shaky, I imagine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, old Shaq Shaky, as they call him down at the uh, Western yeah. Bulldogs. When you oh, see a faded sign at the side of the road, you say 15 miles, miles to the love. The- <laughs> Shaky. Anyway, we've made you this mixtape to tell you you're no longer <laughs> needed at the club. We thought we thought it'd just be nicer. I've always been a bit of a Shaky fan. I was hoping that he could get it together, but the fact that he hasn't really played much football at all this season when there's been opportunities for him to play can't be a good sign, I wouldn't have thought. Okay, Let's say that you have a choice between uh, Jeremy Cameron, uh, Ben Brown, or Jesse Hogan. At different pay grades, obviously. If you get Jesse, you're going to have to like shift some money around, shift some players around. So they're, you're all paying what they're worth. But who do you take if he's available? Uh, none, none of them is really? my actual answer. I think we're better off without any of them. I don't think that any of them bring more to the club than they take away. I think what Jesse about Hogan, Cameron's uh, quick wit. So <laughs> Jesse Hogan week. has so much upside, but there's clearly a bit of downside as well. Ben Brown, you just don't know what's going on there. And I do feel like he's one dimensional in a, in a team like the Bulldogs where we don't really play that. It doesn't actually serve us well. You need a more athletic that. big man. But also we need, like, we're, we're at our best when, like, there's five or six people scoring goals. We really are. Yeah. We're just not that team that, like, part of, sometimes I'm like, yeah, we keep thinking, like, a big forward will solve things. But I'm not sure that it will. I think Norton's going to be great. And I think, I don't think Bruce has been as terrible as people think. I think Bruce has played a role. He has burst packs and got to contests. And, like, yes, it would be great if he was kicking more goals. But I, I don't think he's been terrible. And I think that the forward line sets up well around him and Jeremy Cameron is clearly a gun but I just don't want to have to barrack for Jeremy Cameron 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're just yeah. like you'd have to like him if he played for your team, but I just that would be hard, hard to do. Yeah, I, I that was a real eye opener that pocket profile. Um, speaking of which, Will, should we get to the mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> um, we've been inundated with more comfort fiction, which is fantastic. I'm thinking maybe we could even do a completely separate podcast and just call it Comf, um, uh, because. They're coming in thick and fast, and there's so many genres to get to. So um, I wanted to open, though, with a, a pocket profile. And this is a bit of a treat because it's a retro pocket profile. Oh, I love it. Um, Great. Uh, this was sent in by Deep, and it is a, a play you may have heard of from the West called Peter Matera. Love there's it. There's a lot of stuff in this. I just scanned through it before that I did not know. For instance, his nickname. Uh, Peter Matera... There's a, I'll give you a hint. There's a couple of footballers, both retired now, like retired in the last 10 years, who have the same nickname. And it's it's uh, more understandable for them. It's a bit more confusing with him. Um, Two commentators. They're both, they both do commentary for Channel 7 and Fox Footy. And they, um, okay, so... They have the same nickname. Um, uh, fuck. Um, no, I don't know what. It's an Australian animal. Uh, tiger? Um, <laughs> an uh, Australian animal. Tasmanian tiger, sorry. Um, koala. Kangaroo. Kanga. Yes. Kangaroo. Roo. Oh, Roo. Okay. Which is yeah, sometimes yeah, known as. Mark Rusciuto and, and Nick Rewalt. Roo. Um, yes. Also yeah. known as Skippy. Well, Peter Skippy Material. Peter Material is. Peter, Tier, no, that's his nickname. Is Rue? They called him Rue, apparently. Okay. What number was Peter Matera? He was number. I don't, I don't actually have. I've no idea, but I'm going to say number eight. Higher. Uh, fourteen. Higher. Twenty-three. Higher. Thirty-six. Lower. <laughs> These are the numbers from Lost. <laughs> <laughs> a, portal, a portal just opens. <laughs> Suddenly I have to push refresh on the AFL website every two hours or the fucking season comes to an end. Uh, 35. Lower. 34. Lower. 33. Lower. It's a great podcast. 32. <laughs> Lower. 31. Lower. 30. Correct. Um, where was his place of birth? And I've never been here. I assume it's a Western Australian town. That would be a great way to do the brown though. If they didn't want to do it in the traditional way, they just t collated all the votes and then they got the top 10 people up on stage and they said, oh, this would bring some pizzazz to Brownlow night. So they count all the votes. They get the 10 top ranked players up on stage yep. and they get them one by one to guess how many votes they think they got. <laughs> And Hamish tells them higher or lower until they lock it in. <laughs> do it like the price is right. Um, I think actually, if we're going to do this like a quiz, I've got a, a sound pad here. I think I've got a... No. Oh. No. 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 Oh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> that can be okay. for a loss. We might be hearing that a bit. <laughs> um, okay. Give me one sec. Sorry. You know what? No one would have heard that. <laughs> because I didn't have the channel turned oh. on at my end, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Will just got a wah 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 through his headphones, everyone playing at home. Um, okay, what town was he born in? And 
It's a town, I'm assuming, Western Australia, that is also what you might say if you're cutting class. Uh, if you're cutting class wag? Um, wagon. 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 W-A-G-I-N. Have you ever been to Wagon and done any shows in Wagon? I don't think that I have been to Wagon. Is that where the wags or the AFL wives are staying during this time? <laughs> That's right. We've got them a little bubble in Wagon. Um, okay, uh, so his date of birth was the 3rd of April, but what year? Oh, um, okay. So he's got to be like 10 years. Will, I'll give you a clue. What number am I thinking of? Ah, oh, nice. 1969. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> 69. Uh, what club was he recruited from? Very famous uh, WA Waffle Club. Um, I guess he was recruited for... Uh, um, I don't really know the Western Australian a clubs. Frio. A southern, um, a southern, yeah, South, South Fremantle. South Frio. Uh, what year did he play his first senior game for South Fremantle? Um, I can't really Born remember. in 69? Um, oh, yeah, good. That's good. Uh, so, 80, 88... Well, 87, very close. Um, what year did he play for the Eagles, debut for the Eagles? Uh, 80, 90. Perfect. Yes, correct. Okay. How many games? Uh, I don't know when this uh, when this pocket profile was conducted, but it seems pretty early. How many games had he played at this point? Oh, great. Okay. That's fantastic. So not even how many games did he play, just how many games did he play at the point this pocket profile was done. And I, my only clue will be, it seems like it was in his first season. Uh, eight. 12. <laughs> and he played 60 for South Frio. Um, had, he, uh, had he had any honours to that point, Will? Um, yes, he had won the best and fairest in something. No, he played, he represented WA in State of Origin in 1989. Um, what's his girlfriend's name? Uh, Sarah. Stacy Marie Kent. Uh, what's his occupation? You can tell this is a retro pocket profile because he has a job. What's his, uh, I don't even know what the, I mean, this sounds like, this sounds like a job you make when you're a drug dealer and someone asks you what you do for a living. You say this because it sounds like he's just put two words together. He's a something salesman. He's a um, oh, inspiration salesman. <laughs> he's a close. Uh, he's an internal he? salesman. An internal salesman. Okay, I sell things <laughs> that go indoors. Not an not an eternal salesman, as in he does it forever. An internal salesman is he sells you your guts. What's an internal salesman? I have literally no idea. I reckon he's just got a sales job that's inside. <laughs> um, okay. What school did he uh, attend? And it's uh, the clue was in a previous answer. Um, the school of hard knocks. Um, Wagon, high school? School. Wagon high school. Wagon high school. Wagon high school. What car does he drive? <laughs> and, you know, this is pretty expected in WA. Um Especially uh, around the, uh, the, the 90s. This has been 1990 when you did this interview, I'm assuming. Uh, a a Commodore. A... That's it. No, you got it. V8 yeah. Commodore Bellina. Uh, what's his favorite pastime and hobbies? Uh, tour of sports. One is something that everyone does. Uh, he likes uh, watching movies. No. He likes jogging. No. He likes breathing. <laughs> Sleeping. 
man. Okay. So he's sleeping That's his a hobby. Pastime. He's not like a hobby. I'm just gonna go and indulge my hobby for eight hours. It's it's getting towards midnight. Time for some hobbying. It's what two sports does he like playing? Basketball, not football. Pretty common for footballers. These but, two yeah, sports. basketball. One's a summer sport, and the other one's what? Basketball. Yes. And golf. Tennis. Yeah. Uh, what is his favorite cuisine? Um. Uh, Pasta, no, it's a uh, it's like a, a, a you know like a international food. Pizza, <laughs> is pasta not international? <laughs> it's Italian, right? No, but like as you'd say, Italian, not pasta, not the specific dish, but oh. the region. The oh, sorry, international house of pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No, he likes Chinese food, mate. Oh, okay. Um, and his favorite drink. This is something that, again, that a guy who drives a V8 Commodore Bellina and loves Chinese food might wash it down with one of these. Uh, it's a mixer. Jack Daniels and Coke. Scotch and Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> the off-brand version. <laughs> uh, favorite sport apart from footy? Basketball. Correct. Favorite singer or group? I have no idea who this is. Sounds like he could be a footballer himself, but I imagine he's a... He is a, a musician, I assume. Um, Russell Robertson. Peter Blakely. Oh, you yeah. Okay. Yep. What does he sing? Uh, songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, now, this is, this is where it gets good. Favorite TV show. <laughs> and, like, uh, <laughs> this was a spin off from a very popular uh, sketch Frasier. comedy show. Oh, no, okay. Um, Australian sketch comedy show. Uh, so, a short run spin off. Okay. So, it, is it from Fast Forward? Oh, that's going to give it away too much. You have to just think. Like, what show had the most iconic characters for a time? That I think there's about three characters, or at least three performers in that show, all got a crack at a sitcom, and some where they expanded on their sketch characters. See, well, I, I can't. Uh, well, Kath and Kim? No, it's Comedy Company. Oh, Comedy Company. So who were the, they all had sitcoms, did they? Well, the, so Kylie Mole, sure. yep. Con the Fruiterer, mm-hmm. and oh, um, uh, Colin Cole? Colin <laughs> Cole? What was his Colin? Colin Carpenter. Carpenter. Colin Carpenter. <laughs> what did you call him? Colin Cough. No, Matt, that's the youngest footballer to have ever played. I oh, know that was Claude Cough. Well, Claude Clough, Clough, Clough. Uh Colin Carpenter was his favourite TV show, which is amazing. Colin Carpenter. Um, um, that's where Stig, what's his name? Stig Wemmis uh, got his start, right? And then Stig Wemmis went on to be the voice of the AFL at, at games. So there is some kind of connective tissue. Real there. company man, Peter Matera. <laughs> um, okay. His favourite movie. Oh, this is uh, what would be classified as a chick flick, probably one of the most popular flick chicks, chick flick chicks, chick flicks of all time, but definitely for that year. I imagine it was... Um, Sleepless it in was Seattle. A, no, 1990. It was the film that made its star an absolute megastar, and she's Ghost. still very famous. That doesn't work as much now, but probably the most famous actress in the world for a period. In fact, Meg, even, so in Meg, movie, when Harry met Sally... It was even in a movie where she played the most famous actress in the world who falls in love with an ordinary man. Oh, so Julia, uh, Julia Roberts' movie. And the film um, is The One That Broke Her. Uh, Pretty Woman. Correct. His favourite movie is Pretty Woman wow. because 
after he's been doing doys, doys in his V8 Commodore and he slammed a few scotch and pepsis, <laughs> likes to sit on the couch, big box of tissues and a bag of Chinese food <laughs> to watch Pretty Woman. Uh, what's his favourite holiday spot? Uh, Bali. Mandura? Biggest influence on his career? His dad. Brother and parents. Most admired footballer? Uh, this guy was a... Um, they've named a medal after him. Morris Rioli. Michael Tuck. Uh, okay. Biggest disappointment? Um, no Pretty Woman sequel. <laughs> <laughs> they cancelled Colin Carpenter. <laughs> Biggest disappointment was when he injured his right knee. Okay. Um, uh, what other injuries has he had? This is a weird pocket profile. I like it better when they ask him about carbs. Um, I don't know. Ankle. He's done his ankle and his hamstring. Right knee and ankle. The biggest thrill. Now remember, he's in his first year of football. Uh, debuting. Debuting in his yes, first AFL playing game. his first AFL yep. game. His most memorable match. Uh, his first AFL there game. There you go. <laughs> you, you, you do this every time. We get towards the end of it and you just start, you get to know the person. You're like Hannibal. It takes you a little while to kind of psychologically <laughs> psychoanalyze the answers. And then by the end, you become that. No, you're not Hannibal. You're the talented Mr. Ripley. The talented Mr. Will, w- Whipley. After a while, you just become that person. You could impersonate any footballer on the planet. Just give you a pocket profile in half an hour and you can successfully impersonate any AFL footballer. We need somebody who needs to uh, assume the identity of an AFL footballer for the purposes of whatever it is. Just alone in a room with a pocket profile for half an hour and I can become anyone in the AFL. Uh, What's his football ambition? Uh, To play in a premiership. With West Coast. And he did that twice. So dreams can come true, Will. Um, are you ready for a bit of comf? Yep. This is from Darren. Hey, Will and Charlie. Love the pod and the comf fan fiction. I wrote my own. I don't know why I wasted my time doing this, but I did anyway. Keep up the good work. That could be the motto of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drizzly Tuesday when the President of the United States announced that an asteroid the size of Australia will impact the Earth in three days. And all efforts made by the China made by the China, made by the US, China and Russia to stop the beast had failed. Cut to AFL House where Gil is watching the President's World Address. Gil slowly looks up. Oh my God. Not on my fucking watch. First COVID tries to derail the AFL season and now this. It's up to me to save the day once again. Gil has a plan. A plan so crazy it might just work. He picks up the phone and dials Arden Street. <laughs> and I love the idea of Gil's desk phone just having like masking tape under each button. Is like Marabin, Arden Street, uh, wherever the I, I like to are, think that he has a different phone. Oh, a right. different coloured phone. <laughs> in the colours. It's in the team colours. <laughs> Reese Shaw's answers. Uh, Reese Shaw answers. Gil, he says. Reese, I gather you've been watching the news, Gil asks. It's shocking news, mate. But why have you called me? <laughs> I have a plan, Shawsy. To save the planet from destruction and more importantly, to keep the season alive. With great anticipation and a little apprehension, Reese asks what the plan is. And it is bold. Gill begins. This planet killer. All the nukes from our overseas governments couldn't even scratch its surface. I propose that we launch up to the asteroid, land on its surface and inject it with Shinboner spirit. Only then can it be truly destroyed. It's a bold plan and I can only think of one man hard enough to do the job. We cut to a shack in the middle of nowhere. Gil's private helicopter lands into a remote shack. Gil steps out of the chopper and approaches a naked man fishing in a dam. 
Ben, I have no doubt you know what's happening. Uh, ben, I have no doubt you don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> but we need your help to save the competition and the world, which is a great line for the trailer. Well done. Ben just stares at him and replies, what the fuck are you talking about? It turns out Ben Cunnington has not had any contact with the outside world since his, uh, since his injury. His Nokia is obsolete and he only listens to static on his grandfather's broken wireless. Cut back to AFL House. Earlier in the year, due to the COVID pandemic, Gil and co. had been taking extreme measures to ensure the season stayed alive. One drunken night, Gil and Clarko were sinking some tinnies. <laughs> I thought it'd be a good idea to build a rocket to play some games on an international space station. Turns out that was a stupid idea, but now maybe it'll save the day. Gil says to Ben, we need you to fly to the asteroid and inject it with shin bonus spirit. Can you do this for us, Ben? I can. I just need my tape deck, my fishing rod, and the latest catalogue from BCF. <laughs> Gil smiles. Anything you need. But this isn't a job for just one man. The mission needs a face. A face so sexy it'll keep the public calm. Who better to ask to fly the... Uh, to fly the... Who who better to ask to fly the... The rocket than the poster boy... F and then the AFL poster boy Nat Fife. I mean, he flies helicopters. Ben replies... He sounds overqualified. Three hours later, Nat Fife arrives in his helicopter shirtless, wearing his two Brownlow medals. Thanks for coming, Gil says. Hello, Nat. Good to see you again. I look forward to working with you off the field, Ben says to Nat and extends his hand. Nat shakes his hand and says, who are you? Four hours later, Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife are now slow motion walking towards the rocket. Will they save the world? The AFL season? Will Ben catch a space fish? <laughs> Is Nat qualified to rocket pilot? Find out on the next episode of Shinbonageddon. I love it. Awesome. Thank you, Darren. Um, so I guess we're going into episodic now. <laughs> that one. I love that. That's great. Them off in space. I, I mean, that is the perfect scenario. Trapped together. Ben not looking up for his, from his BCF catalogue. <laughs> Nat shining his brown lows. Uh, Cunt Fiction has even spun out into spin-offs, Will. Uh, Scott wrote into us with a, a spin-off called Rock and Rats, a Fifington spin-off. Hey, guys, this is a cunt fan fiction spin-off, much like Hobbs and Shaw, set in the world of Fast and the Furious. It's called Rock and Rats, and it's set in the Fifington universe. After decades of St. Kilda being stuck with only one cup, newly appointed coach Brett Ratton is well aware that his new team is missing one special ingredient, a star player. He decided... What better to help him attract his star player but to employ the biggest star in the world, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, to help him on his quest. The Rock decided to help out, as helping St Kilda is basically like helping a charity. The first obvious candidate were Fife and Cunnington, but they were off together on a mission on Ben's boat, hunting down the lost supply of Shinbona Spirit. They soon went straight down the road to Footscray to lure the Bont down to RSA, RSEA Park, only to be ambushed by Chris Hemsworth. Weirdly, in full four attire, swinging his big hammer around, muttering something about 2016 over and over. They flew up to Sydney. After spending a few days there, they realised they didn't know what anyone that played for the Swans even looked like. So off they went to the Gold Coast. Time snap to the young Red Bull himself, Matthew Rao. They tried to tempt him back down to Melbourne with a lifetime supply of chorizo pasta and plenty of time away from the harsh Queensland sun. Matthew declined. He said it wouldn't be fair to leave Queensland without a father figure. They tried to get into Perth to see Jeremy McGovern, but Mark McGowan wouldn't let them into the state for some reason. 
After a few weeks of failure, they're, I mean, I'm loving it. Still don't understand why you need The Rock for this story. You know, like if I'm your script editor, I'm like, well, Rats could be doing this on his own and it makes more sense. Like you've brought in the biggest star in the world and he doesn't seem to be adding anything to the Financing. We couldn't get the finance right, yeah. without The Rock attached. <laughs> After weeks of failure, they retire back to Moorabbin. Rats pulls out the precious 1966 Premiership Cup to show The Rock, but a crowd quickly comes into the room. He slips and the cup begins to fall. Suddenly the rock pounces down. Can you pounce down? <laughs> How does that, what does that look like? Is it, have you ever pounced down? I mean, Does a if, cat pounce down from a... Yes. I think a yes. cat can pounce down. And if a cat can do it, the rock can do it. The rock pounces down, grabs the cup and begins to duck and weave through the crowd, brushing people away easier than Dusty's don't argue. He was a natural footy player. A glint in Rats' eye and a tear rolls down his rosy cheek. The Rock was your star player all along. Thanks, guys. Keep up the mediocre work. Well, speaking of mediocre, mate, <laughs> you sent us a first act again. I feel like we need to run a seminar on structure, Will. I'm loving the ideas, but you've got to follow up with this. Like, just give us a second act. Tell us what happens in the middle. What's the, the major conflict? Spend a lot of the budget traveling around the country being rejected by people. <laughs> Brett writes in, let's get some consistency is the subject. Hey guys, there are a lot of issues in the AFL that need addressing. IG, uh, IG, EG, the holding the ball rule, deliberate out of bounds, third man up, etc. And none really of them the biggest... will ever be addressed on this podcast. We no, guarantee that. <laughs> but really, the biggest issue that needs addressing is the lack of consistency in the player pocket profiles. Mm-hmm. The AFL should immediately mandate that all clubs must, must have all listed players complete a standardized set of questions for their pocket profile. These agree. should be published on a centralized AFL page so that the consi- there is consistent information is, is available to all. It's just not good enough and it needs to be fixed immediately. Has anyone got Gill's number? How do we get this fixed? It's clearly the biggest issue in football today and that should be easy, easy enough to fix. It's up to you if you want to read the next bit or not as it references another podcast. Let me just oh. read it. What I'm going to say is that I could not be more on board with this idea. It has been a constant sort of source of frustration. This, like, I, I want to know what Peter Matera's favorite fucking meal is, and I don't want to know just Chinese food. I want to be able yeah. to compare that to what Matt Rowell's eating, and I want to compare that to what you know these Sydney players that I can't remember are eating. Uh, it's funny you should bring up Matt Rowell because. Uh... Brett continues, on a separate matter, a recent podcast by Dill Buckley called Dylan Friends, who we assume is the world's funniest man because he keeps popping up in these pocket profiles as the funniest man in the AFL. So maybe we should listen to it, Dylan Friends. Um, it featured two guys, one cup favourite, Matt Rowell. And whilst he did not mention chorizo pasta, they did mention some of his memes and revealed that he likes to drink a cold glass of milk with dinner each night. It's a bit weird for a grown man. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. That's the point. Matt Rowell is like... A 12-year-old in a grown man's body. That is exact. Like when he's... Nothing better to wash down a fucking Vita wheat with some Vegemite on it, Charlie, with a nice <laughs> cold glass of milk. I mean, it is like something that Captain America would drink, right? Yeah, like, or the fucking robots from Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from Max. Worst day at the footy. Dear Will and Charlie, the day was September 29th, 2018, the grand final. I was 19 years old and woke up at 4.30 that morning looking forward to what I hoped would be the best day of my life. It wasn't. I had to line up early that day to get a seat, hence the early wake up. 
but fortunately my aunt and uncle live in Richmond, so I was able to stay at theirs the night before as opposed to catching the Frankston line at three in the morning to try and avoid getting stabbed. But it turns out that might have been the safer option. As I was walking through Richmond, I decided to walk through St. Ignatius Church as that was both a nicer walk and a more direct route to the ground. Whilst there, I had to walk past some meth addict who decided he didn't like the look of me. He ended up trying to strangle me, which, as you can imagine, was pretty scary, especially for someone who's over, only, been, only ever been awake for 10 minutes. What? Especially for someone who's who only been who awake. Who don't think been awake? The meth addict. Oh, he only just woke up, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like... But he woke up and he had his morning meth, and that really perks <laughs> you up pretty quick. Uh, fortunately, he was a small, weak guy uh, who probably hadn't slept for three years, so I was able to win my first fight. Even better, after calling the cops, the cops offered me a lift uh, in the back of their divvy van, so I became the first Collingwood supporter to ever be escorted by the police to the MCG, a feat that I am very proud of. The day did not get better from there, however, as I proceeded to watch my beloved Pies go from being five goals up in the first quarter to being robbed by some freak goal. Maynard was blocked and I will never believe anything else. Despite this horrible day, I still love going to the footy and I look forward to the day when we can finally go to the footy again. Thanks for all the last over the years. I look forward to your pod every week, Max. Max, so glad you're okay. That sounds like a horrible, horrible day at the football. That really is the worst. Do you... Can, what's your worst day at the football? Well, not that you had to be strangled by a meth addict, but what, have you just ever had an experience at the footy that made you go, shit, maybe I'll never go again? Um, I think that... I, I remember a, a game fondly now, but not fondly at the time. At the Standing on the fucking, like, forward flank on the concrete at the... Witten Oval in the rain against the West Coast Eagles where I had driven like, well, I hadn't driven because I was like 13, but I had been driven three hours, you know, to the west of Melbourne to stand in the cold and rain to see like our team not kick, a, I think, a goal until about three quarters into the fucking game or something ridiculous like that. And I just remember thinking, like even at 13, I've got better shit to do than this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't, but I had that thought as I stood there and then just being cold. And, you know, just like, I mean, I look back on it now because this guy who used to take me to the footy, he, he didn't have a son of his own and, and he was a Bulldogs fan. And so, like, occasionally, you know, his, his daughter was a friend of mine from school. And it's such, it reminds me of such a more innocent time. Because these days, that idea of just getting into a car with a stranger and going to like, well, not a stranger, but like to me, mostly a stranger and like driving yeah. to the city yeah. to go and like, you know, go to the football. Driven across straight lines, state lines by an adult. Yeah, it really does feel like that's the start of like a true crime podcast, not like of like yeah. a story about going to the football. But I now look back on that as like being quite a fond memory of the football. Like, you know, one of those iconic moments where you're just like, no, this was what shaped me as a football fan. I think my worst one that to me feels so kind of, uh, it sums up what it's like to be a St Kilda supporter was in the early nineties when I was really sort of getting into footy. I really loved it. And it was a Sunday afternoon game and I had a test the next day and mum told me I couldn't go to the football because I had to study for this test. And I was at that age where I was like, you know, fucking shut up, mum. <laughs> and I was listening to the first quarter. It was back when St Kilda played the home games at Waverley and we're playing Carlton. <clears throat> and back in those days, like, you know, if you were ever beating Carlton, it was just like, 
cause for celebration. And the first quarter, I listened to it on the radio and we were like six goals up or something. And I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to jump on the bus mm. and get out there and, you know, at least get the last half. And so to get to Waverley on a Sunday from my place was like traveling across Middle Earth. Like buses come, you know, twice every hour. I had to catch a bus out to Monash University, then I had to wait at Monash, get on another bus. And if you ever went to Waverley, like it was a shithole of a ground to go to. Just horrible. Just always rainy and wet and you had to trudge across a muddy car park. So I finally got there, I think, for like 10 minutes into the third quarter. And that was when Carlton decided to go fucking ballistic and kick like seven goals in a row. And the only seat I could get was behind the Carlton cheer squad. And I remember this fight breaks out between like, you know, Stewie Lowe and whoever their defenders are. And Nicky Winmar comes in to remonstrate. And do you remember Luke O'Sullivan, Rhino? That really is yeah. like really stocky kind of sentiment for Carlton. Like Nicky Winmar runs in to kind of like, you know, remonstrate. And and Rhino just fucking like shoulders him and breaks his collarbone. Like it was such a, it just epitomized the entire day for St Kilda. Like Nicky Winmar, who is, was not a weak player. He was a tough player, but he just got absolutely poleaxed. And we ended up losing by... I don't know, five goals or something. And then it started raining and I hadn't brought an umbrella because I'd left the house in such a rush. And so then I get home and the, you know, it's dark out and mum's really angry at me because it was before the era of mobile phones. She didn't know where I'd gone and the Saints had lost. And then I didn't have enough time to study for the test. And so then I fucking stuffed up the test as well. And it's just like, why am I doing this? It was not even worth it. So that, that was probably my worst day at the football. That and going to four losing grand finals or three losing grand finals. And, and one draw. Yeah, I've been to some big games that I felt pretty horrible at the end of, but I have never had, I've never been strangled by a meth addict or <laughs> been taken to the game in the back of a divvy fair. Came to the game in the back of the divvy fair. Um, all right, let's take a look at the games that are coming okay. up this weekend before we go. Um, so it's been another uh, compressed round. Uh, I assume Brisbane have won. Yes, they're 40 points up. Um, but the games for round 17, beginning tonight, starting with the Saints and West Coast. Um, now, I got a good look at West Coast because the doggies beat them, and I think they may be gettable. They're gettable. I mean, it's in Queensland, right? Yeah, and Nick yeah. Nat, but Nick Nat's back. They've, they've made six changes because of injury, so they've lost their entire midfield, but Nick Nat's back. Uh, McGovern's playing, so I don't know. I think we're a good chance. I don't know what the uh, what the odds are, but I'm going to pick St Kilda. I am going to, based on the idea that West Coast hate being in Queensland, and I'm also going to pick St Kilda. Then the match of the round is on Friday night. The Cats taking on the Tigers, second versus fourth. We'll get a, a grand final preview. Uh, Will I think in this game? It's. I mean, they are. They do feel like the two teams most likely at the moment. Port Adelaide must just be sitting there going, fuck everyone. <laughs> like we're on top of the ladder. We've been impressive all year and no one takes us seriously. I know what you mean. Like, like Robbie Gray, Lockie Neal obviously is doing pretty well in the brown Lake, you would say. Like, but like, uh, not Robbie Travis Gray, Boak. Um, Travis Boak uh, is having like a season that I just, we'd forgotten how good, he actually could be like he's well i didn't forget because i never knew how good he was right but i think we discovered a few podcasts ago that he was quite good and even still it surprises me <laughs> well i'm one of those people who gets to like game of thrones like game of thrones like five seasons in oh it's really good you guys should uh, watch game of thrones yeah, just, just dragons um, in it guys 
It feels like the kind of game that Richmond will win just because they've been so under the pump. Like the one thing that you'd say, I mean, that's the other thing I haven't really touched on is how have Richmond gone from being so lovable to being so hateable this year? It's a, it's a really, in the WWE, they'd call it a heel turn. They have done a massive heel turn just when you thought you couldn't love him anymore. Jack Higgins is cracking jokes. They're all best mates. They hang out together. Trent Cotchin looks after Dusty Martin. They cut each other's hair. And now it's like, what a bunch of fucking whingy pricks. I mean, it does feel like that. There's been a bunch of misdemeanors. Like the groin gate and the kebabs and the yeah cotch and stuff and just like Dimmer's been kind of grumpy at the press conferences and uh, and yet yeah, they still keep fun of David Schwartz. What the they they there? still keep winning games. Like they've become the unsocial bull tigers and like I think that there's yeah I don't know it's it's a t- I'm going to say the cats just for the fun of it but. But Richmond could easily win. I'm going to pick the Tigers in that game. Uh, okay, so then on Saturday, the Shinboners take on the Dockers. Um, 17th versus 13th, although you feel like the Dockers are far ahead of the Kangaroos in terms of their development. I think the Season Dockers... Season can't come soon I'm enough. Not, yeah. I'm not jumping off the Dockers now. Now, if they win that, they'll have seven wins for the year, which I think is uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Port Adelaide, take on the Bombers. Shit, we haven't talked about the Bombers. Um, no good. <laughs> no good at all. Just a real mess, that club. Um, I mean, when Connor McKenna's like, yeah, no, fuck it, I'm going home now. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, though, like, is it how much of it is still psychological scars from the drug scandal? I mean, I don't know, some, I think. I think definitely, yeah. uh, definitely still some. Uh, Port Adelaide. Yep, me too. The Giants take on Melbourne. And this is really the game for eighth place. It could be. Uh, Giants were just terrible. Just just terrible um, against the Crows. And uh, Melbourne just just terrible. Just, just terrible <laughs> against Freo. Um but you just can't see Melbourne winning this. Oh, can you? I don't know. Well, without me having looked at how the ladder works, because I'm not going to do that, like they're two of the teams that are going to be going to be competing for that eighth spot, or is Melbourne yeah. completely out of it still? No, no, Melbourne, um, because the Giants lost, Melbourne is still in the hunt. So and it's Carlton probably best for the, the Bulldogs well. that it's a tie. So I am going to pick a tie, and that is my lock of the week. Uh, I'm going to pick the Giants. On Sunday, the Blues uh, take on Adelaide. Quick turnaround. This is the kind of game that Carlton will lose. In fact, Adelaide's form, two in a row, and they actually haven't been that bad. And Carlton seem to do this. This has been their story of their year, is an inspiring win and then a disappointing loss. So I'm picking the Crows, and that's my luck of the week. I'm going to say the Blues. Hawks take on the Bulldogs in the sexy time slot of 3.35 on a Sunday. Well, you'd hope the Bulldogs, but it's a danger mm. game because the team is, is well below us on the ladder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs. And then that afternoon, uh, you've got the Swans taking on the Lions, who are coming off a massive win tonight. Swans were pretty good, though. Um, you know, they, they were killing Carlton in that first quarter. They looked like a top eight team for sure. And then they just, I don't know, they're young, ran out of steam. But... Eh, one more, one extra day to the Swans. Do they give them any chance against the Lions? 
yeah, I give them a chance. A chance. But, uh, I but I'll, 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 I'll say Brisbane probably, Brisbane probably still win. Yeah. And then the final game on Monday is the Magpies taking on the Suns. Uh, Magpies just have to win that. And they will. They will. Backs are against the wall again, aren't they? Backs are probably close enough to the wall to get over the Suns, I think. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, you should go to tofop.com to check out our other great podcasts. There's one called uh, Tofop, uh, which is like this, but with a slightly less football chat. Um, Will has a very highbrow, star-filled uh, interview show called Willosophy. Who's on that this week? Good question. Uh, so uh, Matthew Hayden was Monday. Correct. Um, Jen Kirkman was last week. Next Monday, a brilliant uh, comedian called Beth Stelling out of the US, who's um, uh, one of my real favourites, and it's a really cool episode. And if you want to support us, you can always go to patreon.com slash tofop. Um, again, it's got a lot of bonus content, but mainly for other show. But if you just feel charitable, uh, we'd really appreciate the support. But for now, play on, not 15. Well, we are two guys, one 